Sarah Shelton is a community activist based in St. Louis, Missouri. She's the founder of Girl Louie, a creative storytelling organization whose mission is to help women claim their spaces, define their voices, and help them grow their businesses. She focuses on providing a platform for women to learn, grow, and support one another. Sarah, welcome to the No First Podcast. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Where do we find you today? I am sitting in my like little studio space that I have here in Northampton in St. Louis. St. Louis, Missouri, my hometown. Are you originally from here? No, I'm from Southern Illinois, just like a small farm town. Grew up on a cow farm. But St. Louis was always the big city to me growing up, so I'd come here and see shows and go to the museums and things like that. So sure. I'm, I know St. Louis. <laughs> You're here today because I've been quite taken with what you've been building with Girl Louie. Could you talk to me a little bit about what the germination was of Girl Louie? How did you start it? What prompted it? I originally started Girl Louie because I um, was being undervalued in every job I had ever had. And I decided to just break out on my own and do my own thing. And for those that don't know, my main focuses that I love doing are just graphic design, web design, videography. I've been doing a lot more animation, which is fun. Just a lot of creative things, just through art and things like that. I had been focusing after grad school on in just like nonprofit work. And as much as my heart is there in that work, it's not always the best pay. And I had just had a baby and I was just feeling really empowered as a woman and was like, you know what, I am going to just try to do my own thing. And so Girl Louie started out as my own like little business. Basically, I quit my job, rented the studio. It's like a storefront space and really had no idea what the hell I was doing. But I, I got some clients and started working. And then since then, it's been about a year, Girl Louie has grown into its own voice, really. Like I, I turned to Instagram to start my business Instagram. But because what I do is like marketing and brand management, I was like, Instagram doesn't need another brand management company telling you SEO tips and tricks and crap like that. So I decided that I wanted to use it as my own sort of form of, of art. And um, activism has always been something that I've always been involved in. And so it just naturally formed into this like kind of little art activism space that has grown a little following and I've been able to collaborate with some cool people and just do some out of the box things um, for stuff that I believe in. And it's actually been really cool. And that's what it is. It's this nebulous, ever evolving thing. <laughs> the best ones are. So the, yeah. the activism piece is interesting to me. The, there is a hashtag too, is there not? Yeah, so I started, it's like a campaign that I'm doing called Smart Girls STL. And the campaign is a hashtag that um, I encourage people to use when they want to share information that goes into an e-newsletter that I send out. I try to do it weekly, but every other week is a newsletter that goes out. And yeah, I, people keep signing up for it, which is cool. And so the newsletter is all about like resources and news around St. Louis and things that not only affect women, but just as the world is changing day by day. It really started because we were all sharing news and resources on social. Like I was highlighting things and I was screenshotting things to learn and, and there wasn't a hub for all of it. It was just scattered all over. And so I made the newsletter to centralize everything that we were sharing and really take it beyond just Instagram or social media and put it into our inboxes so we can save it 
go back to it, click on the links, things like that. Yeah, it's been awesome to follow and, and to uh, understand not just what's happening in our backyard, but how what's happening in our backyards is affecting what's happening on a national level and vice versa. Seemingly every day, there are a number of things happening all at, at the same time in concurrence with one another. And it's hard to keep track. It's hard to know what to focus on. It's hard to know where to put our energy. Can you talk to me a little bit about how are you finding yourself prioritizing? I'm hoping you can encourage others to figure out a way to prioritize their activist efforts. How to prioritize it. Maybe there's not an answer for that. <laughs> you know. it, is, it, is, it is a hard question because I think that there are a lot of things we're facing that impact us on a daily basis. I find that the kind of activism that I prioritize isn't necessarily always things that affect me either. Like I see it affecting trans women or, or black lives, things that like aren't necessarily like something that is what is affecting a white woman like me. But I also, it's still so important to make sure that we can support each other. I'm more about community effort than I am about individualized um, fighting for my own rights. Like I, I have a lot of privilege. And so I think being able to open ourselves up and, and lead with more empathy is really important, especially nowadays where everything just seems like we get to live in our own bubbles and we get to just navigate life based on what affects us. And I think we've seen now more than ever that there's a lot of things that impact marginalized communities and places where we might not have experienced before and opening up our eyes to it. And just like the power of storytelling and sharing our collective voice and narrative is really important. Leading with empathy is really the, the first and foremost thing to really think about. Can empathy be trained? Can empathy be taught? I think so. I, I think that there's a lot of Honestly, I think there's a lot of ignorance. There's a lot of people who are naive to the injustice of others. And I think if we have some conversations with people and give them some real perspective, if you sat my brother down with, say, a Black trans woman, and they talked about their perspectives and their lives, like, my brother is from a small town. I had the benefit of moving to New York City traveling to Chicago, Colorado, just like living all over the place and experiencing different cultures, he hasn't really left Southern Illinois. And so I think he hasn't really been exposed to a lot of, of people who are different than he is. And I think that being able to have conversations with people outside of, of your norm can at least grow or foster some sort of empathy for others, just based on having exposure to conversations and, and learning other stories. And social media is fine, but it's, it's also a way to ignore things or hide behind things. And you don't have to really listen to anybody you don't want to. And so, yeah, I think it can be learned. I think hopefully I've, I'm optimistic it can. It makes me think about when George Floyd was murdered and Black Lives Matter came more to the forefront for us on social. There was this trend where everyone posted a black square and it was mostly white folks who needed to just stay silent and listen. There was a lot of criticism behind it. Well, one, it was like taking over the hashtag Black Lives Matter. And every if you looked up the hashtag, everything was black squares and it kind of silenced the conversation. But beyond that, what it did for me was I, my whole newsfeed was like black squares. And I was like, I follow a ton 
of white folks. Like I don't have a lot of diversity and who I choose to follow. And that was really telling for me because I didn't even realize that I was creating this bubble of normality. I saw it more as a blessing for me to realize that I need to actively and consciously start expanding my own network, even of just people who I follow. And that's been really eye-opening to me, just following people who are educating people or just like understanding different perspectives and how people live their lives. It's just, we're all so different. And I think that it's important to make sure that you expand what's in your bubble you form for yourself. That's what's been happening for me the past like few months. Could you talk a little bit about how your community is changing? Because it does sound like it's evolved quickly in the last six months or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think by default, not having it be Sarah Shelton as my handle, it's Girl Louie. Like I come off as aloof a little bit. Like people are like, who's Girl Louie? And I change out we and I a lot in a lot of my copy because I'm just like, a lot of times, you know, what I want Girl Louie to feel like is more of a community space. The newsletter is not supposed to be curated solely by me. I just, I design it and I put it together. I get DMs from people and things that, Instagram stories, people answer questions and I put that in the newsletter. I really want it to feel community-based, but at the same time, there is me in it innately just through art and voice and it's just like inevitable. But I've had the ability to feel a bit more confident because I'm girl Louie rather than Sarah Shelton. If I follow someone and I freaking love what they're doing, I'll just DM them and be like, hey, you're amazing. Like, this is what girl Louie is about. I just want to let you know that like I support what you're doing. Like, kudos. Or a lot of times I just asked to collab. Like I saw the mural came about. I just reached out to some girls who were forming a nonprofit and they were survivors of sexual assault. And they were putting together a, a, a nonprofit that was preventative training for sexual harassment in the service industry. And they were all bartenders and waitstaff who experienced sexual harassment or abuse before. And I was like, this is amazing. Do you guys want to be a part of this mural that makes a statement against sexual assault? And it just formed that way. I think um, just sliding into DMs, that's something I never had done before. <laughs> but I'm doing it in a way to just really connect with people. There's a guy who's one of the founders of All Black Creatives and his name's Darren. Shout out to Darren. <laughs> like. He's amazing. Like he reached out to me in a DM and we just became friends because we talk about art and he shares black women doing amazing things and I'll share stuff that Girl Louie's working on and it's just really cool. Like I've, I think just being open and wanting to form like this kind of community spirit within the social media space I've curated. It's, I think people feel invited to just talk to me. And that's been just interesting. I didn't really have a plan of how it would go. It's just me being me and really just wanting to make friends, especially it's quarantine. Like I'm not going out at bars or talking to anybody. And so this is my bar is just my is Instagram really. Well, you're, you're a great bartender. And I, ha and yeah. I have to say that I like the thought of being more inclusive with your language, with your choice in, in copy. And I do think that it is a rallying cry, Girl Louie. Yeah. I'm in a house full of women who could be Girl Louie. And it becomes something ownable by the women of this town mm -hmm. in a way that, sure, your impetus is going to be on it because you're the proprietor. 
of the site, of the work. And yet it becomes something that all women can own no matter where they come from. And I don't think that it necessarily has to be confined to the space of St. Louis for whom Girl Louie was perhaps named. So there's so much there in community. You talked about sliding into DMs. It is a place where getting in touch with people is as easy as it's ever been. If you want to, you can get your message to the person you're trying to reach. Yeah, I think that it has built this sort of like confidence in me. And and lately I've been showing my face a bit more and putting myself out there. And I don't know, it's just a gradual thing that is evolving and we'll see where it goes. But I've been really fortunate to have such a positive reaction to a lot of the content I'm making. And that's been really validating as not only an artist, but just somebody with a voice. And I think that what we've seen through all of it is that there is the power of our shared voice and our collective narrative, which is about creating positive change in our communities. I think a lot of us want that. When I first started the Instagram, I started following specific women who I looked up to and they were in St. Louis and I curated my entire following over my audience that I wanted to follow. And since then, I know everybody like follows the account and I try to follow back as many people as I can. I don't care if it has 10 followers, as long as it's an engaged audience that I feel connected with. I think that is all I really care about. And it's cool that it's grown, but at the same time, it's really way more empowering to me to really have a relationship with your audience than it is to just have a following. I do really feel confident about the people that I connect with on there. I think we're at the point in the show where we get into what's in your cookies this week? What's in your internet history? What have you been reading, watching, listening to, shopping for? I'm so curious, yeah. Sarah Shelton. What's your favorite cookie? Pretty basic. I just probably would go with the chocolate chip. Do you buy it from the store or do you, do you make it yourself? I just buy like the pre-mixed like dough and just make two cookies here when I feel like it. I don't have <laughs> to commit to a whole package sure. or, or whatnot. So... I really like the dough because it's really on demand when you need it. Um, Any brand in particular? um, Usually it's like just a Pillsbury chocolate chip cookie dough pre-made near the biscuits in the grocery store. That's perfect. Yeah, of course. (laughs) And then what have you read, watched, listened to, shopped for this week? I'm so curious. Okay. What have I read, watched, shopped for? Well, I was looking at I'm a, I'm a tabs person. I have a ton of tabs open all the time. And my last tab I had open was how to debate a science denier. (laughs) (laughs) This one was by scientific American. It's probably just one of the first links that pops up in Google search, but I'm working on a graphic right now against hate and all these things. And I just went down a rabbit hole. I also have a voter registration link open. I was sharing that on social to make sure people know that they're registered to vote. I have a job description open for a position that I might be offered. I don't know. I'm just weighing out all my options. Got my Google calendar always open. There's a lot of things on that calendar. I really, if I don't have it in my calendar, I forget. (laughs) Things I've been shopping for are looking for maternity clothes because I'm pregnant again. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Crazy. Yeah. Bury the lead. I had, that's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, no, it's cool. I, I didn't realize until 12 weeks in that I was pregnant. So there was that. So I was already like three months. Yeah. Which is terrifying. Like absolutely terrifying. I'm, I'm happy. I, li- I already have an 18 month old right now. And I think when we first met, I was pretty new to the mom game. And uh, turns out I really like it. <laughs> I enjoy it. Um, this I'm having another girl, so it'll be when we'll have two girls now. They say with your second child, you start gaining weight like as soon as you pee on a stick. Like it's just like your baby just already looks like you have a bump, and I'm definitely experiencing that. So yeah, I'm just looking for anything that fits my pregnant body right now. <laughs> so yeah, congratulations! Really- That's Thank so you. exciting. Yeah, no, I'm really excited. It is just special to to have a couple of girls because I just feel like women's rights is really important to me and being able to try to create a future for them that is inclusive for their rights is really important to me. We need good people like raising good humans. So there's that too. Absolutely. (laughs) I I was going to say something about being a stepdad to to two girls, but the the fact is that just seeing sisters together in any capacity, it's, it's pretty special. Yeah, the, the dynamic between sisters is different than any other dynamic in the world. It's it's a really special thing. So congratulations! That's, awesome. That's super. Exciting. I don't have a sister, and I've always wanted one, and yeah. I'm excited to be able to to see that relationship unfold and and whatnot. I'm really excited, and my husband is he's raised by women, so he's just he's just a girls guy kind of thing. Like his mom is is with a woman. His yeah sisters, his aunts all are super close with him and it's just it's really cool to see him too with daughters like i'm just i just feel really blessed so i'm excited yeah that's so crazy yeah <laughs> i'm so excited for you i really yeah, am I so excited for you you are and i appreciate your excitement yeah i i'm excited too i haven't really told anyone besides like my family but i not for any particular reason. I just was like, yeah, I think it's still, I'm still accepting the fact that I'm pregnant. <laughs> I just, it's still really new to me. Yeah, but I'm excited. That's wild. Okay. Whose face would you like to see on a dollar bill? Dolly Parton would be cool. So Dolly's, I think Dolly's uh, somebody that a lot of people can agree on. Okay. Then I'd negotiate to negotiating power. For- you know, what's, what's crazy is this seems to be the year of Dolly Parton. Are you and kidding me? What you think? I think she's definitely over the past, I want to say five years, been just like this, like kind of cult classic phenomenon that people are like, oh yeah, I love Dolly. And I'm like, really? Are you just there because it's cool to like her? So I was born in 1980. Okay. And in 1980, Dolly Parton moved from Nashville to Hollywood, California. Okay. She signed with a large label. She are you got- reading a Wikipedia page right now? <laughs> I might as well be. I mean, I'm a huge Dolly Parton fan and it's because my whole life she's been on TV. She's been in the movies. The Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton Christmas album is my favorite record Mm -hmm. from my parents' collection to play at the holidays. My wife requested for our first anniversary, which was a year ago this weekend. Oh, cool. Uh, Thank you that we go to Nashville and see Dolly Parton play at the Grand Ole Opry. But this year, she has a Christmas special. She has a collection with William Sonoma. She Mm -hmm. has two programs on Netflix. And she was just on the BBC, on the Graham Norton program. She has a Time Life video collection coming out this year. 
Oh, wow. Okay. 60 hours of Dolly videos. Holy cow. From performances throughout her lifetime. Oh, she's posing for Playboy. No. Yeah. Whoa. And. Yeah, she's. There's, there's like something about what's happened to us. Basically, everyone shut down and was encouraged to stay home and mm-hmm. only essential workers were allowed to be out on the streets. Mm-hmm. We've needed Dolly. She's like a guardian angel and a saving grace. I don't know. She's, it's, She's it's, really amazing. Listening to her talk is like just fucking angelic. She's just amazing. And so I, I say Dolly Parton's becoming cool the past five years. I say that because I'm one of those like punk rockers that are like, oh, I like Dolly before everyone else liked her. You know what I mean? So I'm just being bitter by all the attention <laughs> she's getting, even though I should be way more supportive. I'm just like, I look at like posers and I'm like, you just like her because she's just now blowing up all over the place. But, right. but she's always really been mainstream. I'm just in a generation of people like millennials. And then you see a bunch of Gen Z people like coming out just really loving Dolly, which is great. Of course. I don't know why people wouldn't like her. You she's know, given but... away more children's books than anyone in human history. Yeah. Because she's just, a, she has her own theme park. She's I know. like my, so my high school graduation was in 2005 and my whole family took a trip to Dollywood for me to celebrate oh, wow. my graduation. I'm telling you, I've been a, a, a believer for a long time. And I remember going to a record store on my eighth grade band trip and they had this 20 disc album set of Dolly and it was on a wall and it was $10. And I was like, what the hell? And I was like, can I buy that? And they were like, you really going to buy it? Like they thought it was funny to like showcase this big CD collection of Dolly for $10. And I was like, I'm the one like you that's getting the steal. Like you're the fools. I've had her book on tape for... I was given to me as a present when I was like 13. It's like her narrating her life. And it is just the coolest. She just has the coolest story. Just where she comes from, her background, the way she was raised, the way music inspires her and isn't threaded in everything she does. And she's also a phenomenal player. Like she can literally shred a banjo, like just with her long ass fingernails, like just the other day, I had a social distance barbecue with some friends and it was late at night and we had the projector out and I was in charge of doing videos. And so I just put up a bunch of old 2020 Barbara Walters interviews with Dolly from like the 80s. And it was so cool. Like we got to go through her tour bus and she was showcasing like all of her wigs and she just is who she is. Like she's unapologetically just herself. And I think we need to see that in people. We need to see people really own who they are and sport that confidence. She's really inspiring for young women too. Like, she just needs to be around forever. <laughs> Let's put her on a dollar bill. <laughs> Dolly Parton, number one, that's who it should be. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was really happy when she came out and just said vocally she was in support of Black Lives. <laughs> she got a lot of criticism from some of her white supremacist fans. And so it, I think she probably knew there was probably some of her fan base that would maybe be against it or something. But to her, it was important for her to say that. And I just thought that was really cool. Yeah. She really does represent the best of us. She really does. It's Man, what a, what a hell of a lady. Thank God for Dolly Parton. <laughs> Let's move on. What article of clothing is your battle armor? Probably my denim jacket. I've had this denim jacket for 
like years. It's just like something that as soon as it drops a degree into the 80s, I'm like, oh, I should put my jacket on. It's definitely more of a safety net than it is anything else really, but. Um, Where did like, you find it? Who makes it? It's a thrift purchase and it is just Levi's jacket. It's just, but it's like from the 80s. It's not the the new cut of denim you see now. It's pretty thick, it's sturdy. <laughs> and it's interesting because you're not really supposed to wash denim, but it, it makes the life cycle not as long. So I haven't washed this jacket in about 15 years. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But it has a lot of life to it, basically. I just love the classic look of it. I really try to incorporate it with every outfit I can especially in the fall. It's the staple. It's the centerpiece. It's the staple. Yeah, yeah, it's the centerpiece. What song or movie is your favorite background noise? I've always been a fan of Amelie. <laughs> Just like the French music that that is in that movie, that soundtrack just from start to finish. It's great for studying or working and not really having to think of much, but I like to transcend into Paris and drink some espresso at a cafe and <laughs> imagine that I am just a tiny little French girl on a bicycle. <laughs> I, I love Amelie. We actually had tickets to go to Paris for the first time, but I've never been in September, but of course we had to cancel it. So I was so really sorry. about that. Yeah. But hopefully someday I'll be able to go to Paris and experience life as a French person for a week or so. That'd be really yeah. nice. But I'll have that soundtrack on the entire time. <laughs> Jan Tiersen, the best. How do you define success? It's a good question. I don't think that success is measured on paper, how much you can fit in your resume or what you get paid salary-wise. I think as long as I am somewhat happy and I feel like I'm making some small of change or difference or that I'm leading with my heart and empathy and, and feeling like I'm a part of a community and a space where we're all, you know, growing and empowering each other. It's more about like enjoying life in the process rather than reaching any sort of real goal. Like, I yeah. think the goals will always change. How do you celebrate the milestones? I probably don't celebrate them enough. I took a strengths finder test and I'm apparently a futurist. I'm, I'm constantly thinking about the future and what's next. So I think taking time and meditating on those milestones is really important. Lately with Girl Louie, I've been getting some recognition in some of the things that I've been doing, like my newsletter or the mural that we've painted. I just had an interview with St. Louis Magazine. They're putting me in their print edition. They took my photo outside the mural. Like I couldn't, I still am confused as to why people are putting me in media and, and calling me out for things. But I think it's important for me to, to realize the work that, that I'm creating and, and, and absorbing it and thanking myself for the time and commitment I'm putting into good things. But at the same time, I, I still, I just thrive in What's next? Yeah, well, what you're doing is really good. That's why yeah, you're I, getting reached out to. That's why I reached out to you. Yeah, I think I'm still accepting the fact that I, one, am an artist. Like I still 
a lot of the art that I do as a graphic designer has been so transactional with clients and you're really doing it for my job that now that I've taken a step back and really have done art in my own form with my own voice through Girl Louie, I am still trying to accept the fact that the work I'm doing is creative and it's unique and it has this voice and it's gaining attention and it's creating awareness and it's evoking some sort of feeling that people are getting from it. And I think it's important, but I'm very reactive to the things going on in the world. It's hard to take a step back and really see the work I'm doing because it's just constantly like reacting to everything going on. And that's why I'm like, what's next? This morning, woke up early and made some protest signs and stood outside my billboard (laughs) just with a protest sign for 30 minutes this morning. Wait. You have a billboard? Yes, I have a billboard. (laughs) Yes. Just real quick. What, where's your billboard? It's on, it's on Southwest Avenue and Brannon. So it's like, it's right down the street from where I live, where my studio is. It's Southwest Avenue, almost when you get to Kings Highway. Can you see it from the highway? You can't see it from the highway. No, you can see it on Southwest. It's in a cool location, but it's more of a neighborhood billboard. That is on the outskirts of the Grove, near the hill. What prompted the billboard? I had been looking into billboard space for a client and they were like, no, we don't want to do a billboard. And I already had the pricing and I already found this location I really liked. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to get a billboard. And so this is around the time that I was doing Smart Girls STL. And so I have a billboard that says Smart Girls Live in St. Louis. And then it has my web address to learn more. And when you go to my homepage of my website, it's all about the Smart Girls campaign. And so you sign up for the newsletter and things like that. It's been cool to track it because I don't really send anyone. No, no one really knows about my website unless they come from Instagram or they probably see the billboard. And my Instagram link is different. I can track who comes from Instagram. So the people that just go to my site, I'm just like, I wonder if they saw the billboard. And that's why they're, they're signing up. But yeah, so it's I have a so billboard. so smart. It's so smart. <laughs> That's yeah, so cool. But, yeah, and I, I want to change up the creative on the billboards. Ask questions, be thought-provoking. So when you're driving by, it shakes you up. Use a billboard in a more creative way than just advertising. So having some statements and some questions and things like that. I'm excited. I have some plans. I, you've seen this before. Yeah, I've seen individuals or brands use billboards in a new way, but that it happened because of a client that's pretty special yeah I've, I've honestly always wanted a billboard i i want a blimp <laughs> like i want just really old school like tactics of marketing to like sure. really just do things that flips it out its head like let's just chisel it in a tablet real quick <laughs> <laughs> exactly you have good questions really good questions sarah would, yes thank um, you for coming on the show yeah thank you so much for having me this is really great it's good to see you It was so good to see you. It really was. I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Thank you so much for wanting to have me on here and letting me share a little bit about what I'm doing. I I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye, Sarah Shelton. Bye. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sarah Shelton of Girl Louie. You can find her at girllouie.com. That's G-I-R-L-L-O-U-I-E.com. G-I-R-L-L-O-U-I-E.com. Tune in next week when my guest will be Ernest Wilkins, author of the Office Hours newsletter. Remember to work hard, know first who you are, and adorn yourselves accordingly. You and you alone. This is the No First Podcast. The No First Podcast is a production of All Plat Out. Our theme song is That's Right by Pop Villains. 
Thanks to Marla, Stella, and Ruby. Stay safe, stay healthy, and know first who you are. It's, I think empathy is just something that is a theme in a lot of the language I use. So it's a reason behind the work I do.